Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 220 with Samuel Barnes, Shifting Tides. Join the team as we converse once again with Sam, an American currently living in Costa Rica in heavy Aquarian times, sixth planet at the time of this recording. Strange and wonderful things abound. Once again, welcome, Sam. Thank you, Raphael. So good to be here again with you both and with you all. Um, yeah, heavy Aquarian times, lighter than a feather, baby. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Raphael's north node's in Aquarius, so I, I didn't look at his chart to see if it's conjunct, but there's more than usual. I mean, it's not terribly often we have so much of one flavor going on with so very le much less else. Uh, it's pretty much earth and air right now exclusively minus neptune um so what we do on this podcast as you know is correlate this episode to a major arcana 220 goes to four which is the emperor card i lead by example it's about setting boundaries and following rules believing in the concrete world around you focusing on action and results and holding your ground Raphael, what card do you have we have number 34 the angel of obedience Belonging to the virtues, this angel protects people, crowned by divine love, and maintains harmony, peace, and understanding. It is the gentle God associated with the nine of pentacles in the tarot, and the affirmation is, I trust in my own authenticity and truth. Qualities include obedience, faithful servants, trust and favor from superiors, understanding divine justice so sam uh between those two cards did anything resonate absolutely uh you know i i think they actually they go uh very well together with that emperor sort of being the real stable foundation the the, the walls of the temple that holds that uh, angel of obedience, that nine of pentacles, you know, which I always associate with like a full term pregnancy, you know, and that kind of completion, um, verging towards completion in the material world. Um, and yeah, 220, you know, the other the other thing that strikes me is I'm I'm a big I'm like you, Jim, a Gemini and uh, I am born on the 20th and two is just always two and 20 are my numbers. So I just, even before you guys mentioned the cards, I, my, I, you know, started smiling and smirking at the number, um, you know, cause these are my, these are my lucky numbers. So, you know, we have with two and 20 just to add yet another layer and another flavor. Cause we are in the second month, of course, uh, the 10th of the second month of, of 2021, uh, where it, it, you know, in this 11th sign, which is also two, so just that energy, two, 11, 20, uh, you know, really resonating for me. And then as for the emperor, let's see, where, where, where does it fall for you? Well, it's funny because, I mean, 22 uh, major arcana cards, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're pretty into tarot. Um, I guess as far, I mean, Aquarius to me, in a way, I mean, Capricorn's kind of, you know the king of the world or whatever like that 
But Aquarius is kind of like Dumbledore or Gandalf or something where it's like this kind of like leader, but mis- like high-minded leader, I guess. Uh, but it's out of service, uh, kind of like what the second card was kind of saying. So it seems kind of uh, resonant for me on that front. Um, Raphael, did you have any thoughts? Well, the 22 is the 22. I mean, number one with Sam, I know it's the High Priestess. So it's 2 and 20 as well. I believe even initially we had spoken about this when we first met. And then it's just a 22, which is the Fool. You know, there's no higher points in the tarot than that. We go back. We go climb the mountain just to get back to the, the foothills again. You know, we go, it's like round and round. It's And here we are on the 10th. There we are. You know, the the uh, the Wheel of Fortune where it's, you know, we, we get to the, the scope of the universe and then what's what's more than everything? Nothing at all. The Fool. The beginning. The zero slash 22. It's funny. I just, uh, I'm, I had just recently read all the Harry Potter books with my fiance. She's in England and I'm in the States, so we're trying to make do with that. And uh, we're reading Narnia now. She hasn't heard, or she hasn't read Lord of the Rings, so I'll do that eventually. But uh, we just finished <laughs> Voyage of the Dawn Trudder to, like five minutes before I picked up on this call. And I'm all crying <laughs> and shit, being like, oh, Reaper Chief's going across the end of the world. Oh, it's country. Uh, it feels like that kind of energy where it's like, it's weird and bizarre. Uh, and it's the end of one thing, but it kicks into a higher octave in a weird way uh, as it repeats. Like it doesn't, it's not a circle, it's a spiral in that sense. Uh-oh, I think we lost him for a second. Um, but yeah, that uh, that spiral kind of fractality as opposed to maybe um, sometimes a fatalistic kind of view might be, uh, it just repeats, it just repeats, uh, you know, Carcosa. Like it's just the circle that, you know, it is an Ouroboral tail that eats itself, but it seems to be a spiral Ouroboros or something. Yeah, and that sort of gets us to uh, to what the big difference, you know, between this year and last um, and between this age that is dawning, you know, hopefully archetypally for sure, and hopefully practically as well. Um, and the one that's come before, you know, and, and that makes this very Aquarian part, this very Aquarian week, um, especially as we come towards a new moon in the next few days, um, where, so that'll make seven planets. And then don't discount either the asteroid palace, you know, who's also there in the later degrees of Aquarius sort of bridging, you know, that, that, late degree Aquarius conjunction and then the early degree Aquarius conjunction of right now Venus, Jupiter and Saturn. Um, so yeah, like this, this time of year, it's like, we're getting a taste of what this world led by, um, miracles led by technology, led by, uh, unexpected surprises by, by that homeopathic principle, which is also the principle that lies, you know, at the heart of the idea of vaccination, you know, where it's like a little bit of something can change the entire ocean. Um, you know, and I'm really, I for one, am, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful and I see, I'm, I'm seeing the world through rose colored glasses because of my own life circumstances, but, you know, I see the, the escape hatches opening, you know, in what seemed like a black iron prison that was very well guarded up until recently. Interesting point. Well, it's not a planet. And for the record, the moon is in Aquarius right now. So we're 60 plus, I guess we could count palace for sure. Palace is, well, you could talk about it. It's a, it's a 
it's not a planet, but um, sometimes like Haumea and Pallas and uh, Lilith, um, Lucifer, like there's certain um, bodies you could say that are not full-fledged astronomical planets that have impact on our psyches. All right, so in terms of the Greek goddess Pallas Athena, I was I understood Pallas, that's why. All right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the connection. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, her name is Pallas Athene, uh, an asteroid. Um, and yeah, associated with sort of, you know, that, that principle of the, uh, the goddess that climbed out of Jupiter's head, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the, uh, Sophia, you know, embodied in a, an astronomical slash astrological body. Yeah, there's so much to astrology. It's never unfolding. And, um, I'm actually going to have, uh, we're going to have a, uh, heliocentric astrologer Graham Forskalt, I think his name is. He's coming on on Valentine's Day. Um, and that's a total model I've never done. We're having Carpaccio on, on St. Patty's Day. Leo King just came on. Many astrologers with many ways to look at it, but it seems like this kind of uh, thing, um, this map of reality that grows with our awareness of the map, if that makes sense. It reminds me of the, the wonderful, wonderful uh, Borges tale, you know, very short, maybe half a page long, where he says, you know, there's a king that was mapping his territory on an ever-increasing scale. So it was like, oh, first it took up the, a table, and then it took up a, a room, and then it took up the whole palace, until eventually the map was larger than the territory. And he mapped the whole kingdom, you know, <laughs> onto the kingdom. And, uh, you know, it's, that's sort of how astrology works. It's like, I mean, it's not as fool as an, as fool an errand or as, you know, quixotic, whatever, like, uh, mythopoetic, but, um, it can be. And it's like when we have a, a map of reality that is so deeply resonant, correspondent, and also transcultural, you know, and that, that's another principle of the Aquarian era where it's like, we're going to have breakthrough technologies, not that they're going to be heard in the mainstream necessarily, not that we're going to like be able to, uh, you know, hear about them all if we're reading CNN or whatever. Um, but, you know, I can imagine a scenario where within the next five years there are in-ear translators available, and so I can go to Japan and like converse fluently with someone who does not speak my language. And that, so that's one, one of the many ways that Aquarius is a world bridger and also astrology is a world bridger, at least for the Northern hemisphere. Well put. So it's been a hot minute since you've been on here. Uh, we hear gaiety and uh, nature sounds. You're still in Costa Rica. Kind of fill us in on what you've been up to in the past couple months. So um, lots of good things. I, I appreciate the personal uh, tinge and yeah, let me let me move away from the gaiety. There's an enthusiastic European young lady um, who is chirping in English, um, and um, so I have made a lot of moves since I spoke to you last. But let's just let's just keep it uh, to the to 2021, say, or to post conjunction, post new era endeavors. Um, so down at the end of the road. On the Pacific side of Costa Rica, there's a, a region and a town called Pavones. It's about 10 miles from the Panamanian border. It's the southernmost point in this country. Um, it's home to the second longest left in the surfing world, 
So when it starts to break, which is like this week slash next week, and it will break in, you know, through April into May, um, you can ride this wave for like five minutes. Um, so it, it is a very renowned surf spot. Um, and this beautiful sort of lost coast that was discovered by a narco trafficker slash surfer in the eighties. He flew in there, you know, he flew over it as he's, as he's trafficking drugs from Colombia. you know, gets a, gets a Jeep, drives into the bush, buys the entire beachfront for $50,000 from a Tico, you know, farmer, um, coconut farmer or something. And, uh, and then promptly gets sent to jail. And so nobody knows for the next 30 years who owns what, if there's any. So instead of it being a totally developed, you know, world-class surf town, like it would be if the titles were available, it's just this backwoods, dirt road, you know, really remote and really untouched and very lush and biodiverse uh, portion of this very uh, intact country. Um, so even in here, you know, it, it is exceptional in its uh, intactness of its rainforest. You know, 300-year-old ceiba trees, uh, you know, amazing, just untouched watersheds where there's no house, no runoff, nothing's coming into them at all. Um, and so my friend uh, Adrian Carroll, a, a pretty well-known permaculture impresario, you know, uh, ganja farmer, I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying that, out in Mendocino over 20 years. I was a ganja uh, farmer. I have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. He He's moved his life down here in over 14 years. You know, he was here a long time ago and has planted a uh, thousand fruit trees that they're now producing, a thousand coconuts that, you know, we constantly supply and... Um, so up there, he, there's, they're creating a retreat center and village, you know, where lots are for sale. But then he's brought me on board to administer and be the executive director of a nonprofit whose mission is to um, preserve, you know, conserve, um, and then bring in international and national research universities to study the biodiversity and uh, teach and learn agroforestry and water conservation um, and permaculture landscape management and then uh, most poignantly and immediately um, build a schoolhouse for the local children of the fishing villages that surround uh, who currently have no educational facilities so we're calling it the Gulfal Dual Say Alliance and I've just been forth from there you know, it's a very much a build site right now, so like I'm there when I'm needed, and, and meanwhile I'm developing the platform. That's one of my, my main projects. And then the big, you know, then on personal note, the biggest one is that I just have a wonderful relationship partner and been living with her on uh, this tall mountain, swimming naked in the river every day and uh, making lots of medicines, you know, running my garden tincturing, fermenting, extracting, you know, and, uh, thriving. Look out Robinson Crusoe. Um, so I'm curious on one front, what was the translation of this project? I mean, does it translate to something out of Spanish, uh, this project you're doing with the guy? Um, like in, in Espanol, el nombre is uh, oh, yeah. uh, Alianza Golfo Dulce. You know, it's the alliance for the, the preservation of the, the Golfo Dulce. So the that's the region, the body of water gotcha, that, gotcha. that our, our watersheds feed into. Um, 
and yeah, yeah, watershed protection, you know, stuff stuff that I've really trained my whole life to do. And then there's this just this wonderful place that it deserves it, you know, deserves our attention and um, that we actually have a chance to preserve because development will come for that area. It's not going to stay a dirt road forever, you know. Um, but if we can get ahead of the curve there, we can help to guide the path of, of development in a more than sustainable, regenerative direction. That's what's up. I know you have a lot of Cancerian energy uh, as well as being mercurial. So it seems like this comment, I mean, the North Node is in Gemini right now. So it seems like you're turning onto ideas and how to nurture the place you found yourself. Um, what, I know you graduated, I think, recently from NYU at some level. Columbia um, University. Or Columbia. Oh my God, you're going to kill me. I'm sure that's a big like beef up there. <laughs> it's like, that's you know, the Yankees we, versus we, the Red Sox. Yeah, if, we, if, if, anyone, if anyone in New York gave a crap, yeah, it would be. Word. So Columbia, um, and you said you've been preparing, preparing for this for a while. Kind of explain how you feel you're suited uh, for this beyond just being kind of, um, you know, open to indigenous cultures and stuff. I mean, it seems like you're kind of a halfway point between western ideals and maybe hippie is too strong a word but more like you know new age kind of like a folk uh life yeah yeah um well so just a little background on what i've spent my my young life my young my early career doing um you know i've spent almost 10 years at this point sort of like actively advocating for the protection, restoration, preservation, conservation um, of watersheds, of waterways. And it, it came from being a New Yorker. Uh, you know, I was born at NYU Hospital, which overlooks the East River. I grew up in Brooklyn Heights, which, again, overlooks the Buttermilk Channel and the New York Harbor. Um, and then uh, when I moved to the suburbs, we were in Tenafly, which is on the Palisade, which is right above the Hudson River, just a few, uh, in about a mile and a half, two miles north of the George Washington Bridge. And this whole time, like, you know, as people are like, oh, you live in the biggest city in the world, blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's the biggest city in the world, but it's also like, it's predicated on water. It is islands that I come from, and we're surrounded by... Uh, fresh water and by the the mixed waters, you know, of the harbor, um, which is why the city even arose in the first place. For the first several hundred years that New York existed, what its claim to fame was were its, its, its was already its diversity, which has remained, but the diversity in part inspired by um, the oyster shoals that were there, and you know their purported effects on the libido and so it was like this town of oysters and prostitutes and exotic women and exotic goods and you know it was built on top of this ecological uh fecundity that comes with being the mouth of nine rivers and one of the most significant harbors uh on the atlantic side of north america uh, yeah i'm not much of a historian i mean gangs of new york i think is about as deep as i've ever gotten into like, the history um, yeah, that's, but I, that's 300 plus that's about 280 years into new york's history yeah it's it's deep uh, i mean i'm pretty sure i mean obviously most lands were native uh, i mean i'm guessing there was a, like a native tribe being like this is a dope spot we live here and then people came in and were like you guys have oysters this is cool we'll set up shop here or whatever happened yeah yeah there's uh a uh whole 
sordid history as there is with all of the stolen land and the, the place that is now known as America. Um, and this one involves the, um, the Lene Lenape and the, uh, um, several treaties that were broken and actually in paper, you know, as they were written by, um, by this, uh, crew of Dutchmen, you know, um, who in many ways, you know, they were bad. They were genocidal. It was a different scope and scale than what the Spanish were doing further south. They were very much interested in trade. They weren't so much interested in, in outright violence. Um, and, uh, nevertheless, they were willing to resort to their, their technological superiority to assert their dominance over certain territories. There's many shades of the Emperor card. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There we go. Yeah, we're not done with the Empire either, you know. It's, it's nice to be rosy about, you know, the, the averted um, wave of, of white, white nationalist kind of, you know, fervor that was sweeping for several years. Um, but... It doesn't mean the empire's over. It's like you know, the neoliberalism is not a solution. It's it's a, it's an it's abiding our time kind of uh, energy. And the emperor has vested interest in maintaining power structures. So back then, uh, there was a treaty signed called Two Rose Wampum, and it called for the Dutch to take over Manhattan um, up to what is now known as Wall Street, because um, that's where the wall was. The north in the wall was the northern edge of the uh, European settlement. And if you've been ever to New York, Wall Street's way down on the bottom, the foot of the island. You know, it's about half a mile from the, the bottom. From Battery Park kind of area. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that treaty was broken, um, and it was... Uh, it should, and hopefully one day, I would love to see... The day I would love to be alive for the day when um, the tribal members are compensated for uh, the theft, because they say first off, there's there's in in the letter of the agreement, which made in about 1625 or so, 1624, um, it calls for uh, like 300 Dutch guilders to be paid, um, and which were never paid and were interest to accrue at a normal rate for a Dutch bank at that time, that 300 guilders would be worth almost the value of the island, like $7, seven trillion. <laughs> um, so that sounds... That sounds well, don't like hold a, your breath. I don't know if that'll happen. Maybe they'll get Bitcoin well, or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude. Manhattan coin. Um, you know, uh, or just Doge to the moon, baby. Let's go. Um, the... Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was, that, that's an interesting one that there's literally a, a debt that could be serviced theoretically or as a portion of it, you know, maybe they'll take it like a collection fee. Um, and, um, It'd be cool if they could somehow do a class action or whatever and be like, yo, we're going to cripple somebody, I guess. Well how, well, how about a class action on behalf of all of the treaties that have been broken across North and South America and all of the colonized world? Because there was a lot of agreements being made. You know, For instance, the Four Corners, uh, the Northern Four Corners you know, of the Dakotas, uh, Montana, Wyoming, uh, rightfully does not belong to the United States of America. There are several treaties that explicitly state that that is the Lakota nation. 
Um, and so there's no confusion about it legally. It's just a matter of uh, erasure ter in, and, you know, the, the violence of the U.S. empire that prevents them from um, being recognized in the court of law. I'm curious how you feel about um, encroachment. It seems like spread. I mean, you know, it seems Westernization, for better or worse, is a kind of a, a throbbing pulse that keeps going forward in such a way that it doesn't seem to be averted. But like people had good, well, people made gestures of good intentions with these treaties. But it seems there's always kind of like a Javert or whatever amongst the crowd to fuck it up. Or maybe not a Javert. That'd be a hyper legalist. He'd probably keep the law. But you see what I mean? Just kind of like douches who are like, you know what? who are they we don't respect them um or whatever and kind of push the ball you know further down the field so to speak um and now i guess we're well that's time. calling card oh, of the u.s empire that's the calling card of the u.s empire that's that is the defining trait you know since or rome anyway like it's it's yeah, empires yeah. general tend to do this yeah well but especially it's almost a unique one it's um it definitely took cues from previous ones um but there's like this sort of wildcatter, cowboy, you know, this mythos of the Manifest, Manifest Destiny. Manifest Destiny, Jinx. Yeah. Um, that um, was the, you know, um, shitheaded philosophical underpinning of a lot of the, what we call the American way of war. You know, what an American anthropologist would call, which is burn the crops, steal the children, rape the women. You know, this is the American way of war. It's what... Jackson innovated in his campaigns against the Seminoles in Florida um, in this absolute reign of terror that will one day, the consequences of which will sink that peninsula in probably the next 30 years, um, and, uh, and then has been exported around the world. You know, so just to, just to wrap it around a little bit, one of the most offensive parts of the, um, the PSYOP that that a lot of well-intentioned people uh, fell into regarding uh, Donald Trump as a potential savior was where they call themselves patriots as if that was something to be proud of. Patriots. Imagine being a patriot and having any semblance of an idea of what that means. Well, it gets tricky really quick. Um... Because I think for, you know, for every, I guess, it's weird, maybe this is a presupposition that you don't share, but for every horror extension of one limb of a kind of ontological position, it seems there's an equal opposite one. So I imagine um, just kind of like everybody who, you know, uses money isn't probably crooked to the hilt that we're, we're tainted by these things. Um, I think Patriot, I think, I guess, this, the same tribalism that these, you know, native originals would have had in their own tribes is shared by these communities and it's under a different flag and under a different kind of mechanism, which clearly you have a uh, less than favorable view of. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay. I think yeah. if I were, I think if I were in a, a tribal situation too and they're like, oh, our tribe is the best and the other tribes are less subhumans and we can murder them and rape them and pillage them to our heart's content because we are superior, I would also oppose that. So, you know, that's, Although, that's what the equivalent is, you know, and to, and also crucially, you know, those tribes that you're referring to have not committed 300 years of continuous genocide. Usually. I think the Mayans, I mean, based off of what I saw in um, Apocalypto, I don't know how a story it is, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know, man, I like, um, you know, millions of people getting killed for crops, I guess. It just depends. It's all relevant to the, you know, the, pre it seems like the wheel is always the same, but like. 
we tend to forget that. So it's like there's power struggles in even the most peaceful plant eater societies or whatever. So, uh, Raphael, did you want to say something? Assuming the definition is not completely CIA opt, it says etymology from Middle French patriot, fellow countrymen, patriotes of the same country, fatherland, country, father. Like so pater. my question would patriarch, just... yeah, patriot, patriarch. Yeah. So my question would just be because I'm well aware of the generalized, let's say. Um, the hijacked version. <laughs> exactly. And then, as usual, an undifferentiated usage of the term, because asked in another sense, if I would glean the positive meaning, as I implicitly understand it, of patriot, would be someone who loves their land. And uh, in regards to, you know, whether we talk about conservation of nature or happy childhood upbringing and so on and so forth, I don't see how you can get far if you do not quote unquote love the land that you're living on and your surroundings so I and think it sounds like sam's a patriot of costa rica at this point <laughs> ah well here's the difference i'll be a, i'll be a matriot how about that yeah this is where language i mean we can do better probably instead of I mean, we could figure it out but i mean whether we all need to like just, you know, just make it very simple uh, yeah, to yeah. say anyone who would say they, they love their country or their culture or whatever does not implicitly mean that they consider it to be superior. A preference is not a statement of judgment. And the real issue I see is that if we go back in history, let's say 50 or 100 years, everyone is laden with uh, guilt by association, collective and historic guilt and debt and so on and so forth. And I have the strong suspicion that unless we fundamentally change that game of indebtedness, I don't think we can come very far so i actually think this is about to transform and we can look at the whole game differently because i think in that kind of calculation you know no one's gonna come out on a good side <laughs> it's my view yeah yeah there's there's a really um amazing amazing book uh that was published in 2010 i believe maybe 2000 and oh actually a little bit later 2011 or 5,000 years of debt yeah, debt five thousand years. The first five thousand years. Um, yeah, it's called. It's by David Graeber, who uh, tragically passed away um, last year in in Venice in quarantine. Um, only fifty seven. He he was a one of the the head professors at the London School of Economics, despite being an uh, uh, outspokenly anarchist uh, anthropologist, and yet one of the most highly regarded. Uh, theorists in economic history uh that this century has seen so That's i mean, the i'm of the sorry to have lost him yeah it's like yeah we'll, we'll have all sorts of types of the table potentially i mean even you know it, it's not so like the negative kind of polarity i guess of the empire card is like you know submit to caesar or die kind of thing like you know come into the fold and it seems the aquarian empire that's starting to transform is more uh inclusive like you were saying dogecoin and redditors are having just as much impact as you know hedge fund people and stuff anyway uh i didn't want to cut you off with your train of thought on his book yeah so so graber uh in that book posits basically what rafa just said because you're speaking on a, a schema of um like the mimetic and cultural lexicon you know where it's like we we are supposed to carry this guilt and shame and that's also what organized religion has so 
successfully inculcated in, in colonized people worldwide um, and in whatever my tribe, you know, in, and in the just Hebrews and everyone else. Yeah, go ahead. to ask who has not been colonized, you know, in terms of culture exactly. yeah, and so exactly. on, you know. I'm thinking so, all of, you know, I'm thinking all really of Europe tricky, when I yeah. say that, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because it start the, the the empire starts somewhere, you know, and it spreads out. Um, and so, of course, it almost you know, seems like an impulse, though, because even uh, Polynesian cultures and Native American cultures pre-Western contact had similar mechanics in that sense. Like, you know, Maui um, or King Kamehameha was like a king, and if you cross each other, you die. It's like. Okay, well, they're not just like chilling under the palm trees and smoking weed all day or whatever. It's like they still have. Uh, it seems like this seems to be an impulse of a zeitgeist or a yuga or something. Um, very much where we see things as separate and conquerable or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and so that that comes with that um, concept of private property, of you know um, shares, you know, and stocks talk about the, the stock, the stonk market. It's like, what what are we talking about when we refer to stocks? First, there was there's cattle stock, there's beaver pelt stock, there's timber stock, there's uh, corn stock, and then there's human stock, you know, and the, and the reason... And capital, believe yeah, in heads. Exactly, exactly. And um, so, you know, we're at, we're at the turning point where at least we can apprehend these concepts for what they are which is no longer reified you know something that needs to be examined and perhaps let go of and um and then kind of come you know what what graber's big call and mine too and and many people um is for jubilee which is a release from indebtedness um, you know, in, in the Jewish calendar, it's a, it's a concept that comes from ancient Judea. Every 72 years or something? 49. Seven right, by cool, seven. Cool, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. mathematical. It was, a minor, it was a minor one every seven years where it's like personal debts are released. And, you know, you're supposed to break bread with, the, with your creditor or lender or debtor. And then 49 years, like official society-wide debt. Like plots of land and shit. Exactly. So you can't accrue monarchies like, you know, British king and queen stuff. Like, what's going on? Exactly. And so, um, yeah, you know, in in one sense, for those who are, have their eyes peeled and have the privilege of a steady, sturdy internet connection and at least a minor amount of access to capital, you know, this is like the potential of the next, uh, I would say, just through as Saturn transits through Aquarius in the next two years um, with the with the cryptocurrencies. Yeah, it's interesting. And we can start talking about that. Um, it's interesting to see um, that such a gracious, uh, it, it shows you that you can't just throw babies out with bathwater. Typically, people think of, you know, like um, monastic, you know, Judaism or any culture that's very empire uh, emperor kind of heavy-handed rules, dogmatic, um, whatever, that there isn't any, like, softness to it. And even even though it hasn't, like, you know, it doesn't seem like, nation, you know, corporate national banks or whatever are doing this kind of thing um, within the context of their own culture, uh, which you're, uh, you know, genetically part of it, I think, um, they built in, like, a reset, basically. Like, they, you know, kind of like Thomas Jefferson, I think, was like, you know, we need a revolution every kind of decade or two just so it doesn't yeah, every second generation 
Yeah, it seems like the same principle. That was um, a little different back then because I don't think they wanted to fight about it. Maybe Jefferson was a little gun gun happy. I'm just thinking even in, at least that's what they say. Not sure if that's true, but in terms of traditional psychology, they say the first generation builds it, second keeps it, and the third usually squanders it. So who knows, maybe a reset every second generation would just preempt that. Yeah, although there is yeah, two, I guess too many issues involved here especially if we consider all the systems that have been built in you know starting from states governments themselves you know taxation central banks so on and so forth that make it really really tricky although i suspect that those are also the structures that kind of prevented you from releasing your debt you know if you have certain interest groups that thrive on everyone else being indebted and yeah i mean we don't even need to go about the (laughs) The debt-based monetary system, but just to reiterate again, if anyone considers this with eyes to see, as you say, it's such a complete joke and scam. It's astounding. But yeah, then, we're yeah. happy that and, it's and shifting you know and new tools are coming up. Is how so? You know, I've been doing a lot of research recently because uh, one of my other uh, hats is as a clinical herbalist, and um, you know, I was preparing a lot of medicines back in Brooklyn for what was almost an epidemic amongst um, nature-loving people in my part of the world, which is Lyme, you know, and giving them away. And now I'm like on this this tip right now where it's like, I'm going to make formulations for COVID, um, you know, which is totally a thing, guys. It's so straightforward. It's it's really shocking when you just look at like Stephen Harrod Buner's articles about COVID protocols, like how straightforward this thing is and how so much of the controversy about it is like both sides getting played on the one side, people getting too scared about it. On the one side, people denying it, you know, um, when really it's it's a virus like many other, or it's, you know, or it's, it's, it's a transmissible kind of thing that's in, you know, and obviously the exosome theory has some merit and, and is definitely interesting and worth exploring. But on another level, like I'm on just this tip of like, all right, so like we'll get the andrographis and we'll get the astragalus and we'll get the, um, you know, these, these different things that prevent spike proteins from attaching you know, to epithelial cells in the lungs and, uh, you know, this, this chemistry level approach, um, which is taken when you do that with herbs, you get some really good results. In fact, results that I would argue are far more effective than a potential uh, RNA vaccine. Um, and so anyhow, I've, that's taken me into the past where I've been learning about past viral pandemics, uh, specifically the, the Spanish flu of 1918. Um, misnamed Spanish flu, H1A1 pandemic. That's nationalism coming in right there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just a historical reference point at this point. Uh, And uh, it was, it was started, the the real origin of that, uh, suppose, seems like it was at a hog farm in Kansas um, where that virus first made the jump. And then it was a more traditional uh, flu until it got to the battlefronts in France, where it infected a lot of the young men who were being traumatized in ways that we can hardly even understand and perhaps don't even want to imagine. Um, And then they left and made port all around the world because everyone's taking steamers and rail and and cars, you know, to back home and it just, they made port everywhere. Um, and within Steam a ships few months, to the moon. <laughs> right back then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so yeah, that one spread so rapidly. And guys, the, 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 like what we have right now, 
this is real. Sure, it's a shitty virus. I just was hanging out with a, a lovely girl from Sweden the last few days. She's going home in a few weeks. There's never been a lockdown there. They're no worse off than anyone else in terms of COVID terms and, and, and far, far better off in terms of every other thing that matters in society. Um, you know, she's, oh, it's lovely up there. Yeah, oh, COVID, oh, it's, it's, you know, but it's like not even a big deal. Not, it's like not front page story in Sweden, at least the, the, the local version of the virus. I'm sure they're covering, following closely what's happening in North America and the UK. Um, and anyhow, long story short, back in 1918, people were dying of this flu and they, the, but the way they were dying was they were hemorrhaging out of their ears, their eyes, their nose, their mouth. They were exploding with blood because the virus would create so much inflammation that people would literally just hemorrhage in their GI tract, in their brains, like, and it killed. Not a fun way to go. So much more efficiently, and it targeted people between because it was really developed in these trenches with these, you know, robust young men, or had, would, would, have, would be robust young men, um, it, over 50% of the people who died were between 20 and 40. Um, so all of this is just, it's just a little story, you know, it's, it's important history that I don't think gets enough play in, in all of this uh, pandemic nonsense. Uh, but then just before you continue... Go ahead, go ahead. Let me tell you another story. So uh, as far as I understand on the very, very basics of this whole argument, there is at least two funds I'm aware of uh, that are have outstanding grants for anyone that is able to properly prove and isolate this so-called virus. I'm just on the side notes mentioning event 201 to anyone interested. There is a great movie called Plandemic available on Odyssey and Library. It's unfortunately banned from YouTube just to give a head start. And, you know, even just compare the first, first five minutes of first, you believe you're watching TV, but actually that's a movie. And these are recordings from a simulation in 2019. Anyone can look into that. And in regards to the so-called Spanish flu, as far as I understand, number one, I still would like someone to prove to me without the shadow of a doubt that biological transmission, the way it is purported, actually works. Until now, these are still models. And number two, as far as I understand, also in association with the so-called Spanish flu, that they had two armies, the German and the French army. Again, a quick search doesn't reveal anything now, but it is possible to, to discover that information and there's documentaries on it. So anyways, one of the armies got vaccinated completely and the other one didn't. And then guess who had more issues and a larger so-called outbreak? And I just want to ask everyone again, when do you ever get the idea of directly transmitting something into your bloodstream, unless maybe you're a heroin user or something? That's a very strange mechanism. And to what you said, I mean, I'm all with you. Everyone needs to detoxify. You know, there's a hundred thousand reasons. We had plenty before. Now maybe this apparent, let's just call it a crisis, can be a good excuse to finally detoxify. However, even here, I'm... I can only assume you agree and it's cool, you know, and why not make just like this one president make like the anti-COVID drink if some good herbs are in, I'm sure it works. But my issue here being that 
again too often i'm all with you on the spike protein and so on it's good to understand that but i'm pretty sure you would agree that if you have an overly balanced system you're mineralized and so on you're happy and you're healthy you don't need to get into the details of oh my god is this protein maybe attaching here or something because we are much more holistic systems than what let's say the popular science wants to make us believe and this would also then include what you mentioned the complete whatever you know people may be dying from or have issues with it's obvious by now that all of these lockdown measures if anything only exacerbate the situation i'm not going to get into all of the other details and i'm not here you know to contest let's say a version of history i just kind of feel obliged to point it out because this is really something everyone needs to get to the bottom to because unless we really understand what is the true cause of disease and how can disease really spread and as long as we stick to infection theory and it started 30 years ago with aids or got exacerbated where we also had dr fauci at the helm just as a reminder as long as we don't kind of get over that or at least are chill enough to know okay i drink my green smoothie you can have whatever disease in front of me just like the doctors always had and they're not going to be an issue because unless we solve that we will always be afraid of each other and here again i don't see how we can properly proceed if everyone is scared of everyone else you know even with craziness like asymptomatic transmission which was a completely new concept yeah because everything gets so muddied and confused here I really see that ultimately become more chill and ideally really get to the bottom of this because unless that happens, these kind of scenarios can be replayed again and again. And next time we're going to have a more quote unquote dangerous virus, which again is only a synthetic composite that is tested against as with the COVID, you know, and these are things I'm sorry because I'd love all of this to be proven and then I'd be the first one to be scared. But the science is simply bad. It's just popular. Agree. Agree. And, and um, you know, I think that um, giving credence and taking the approach of forbearance that, like, um, you know, my elders in the natural uh, health world, people like Rosemary Gladstar, Stephen Herod Buner, um, you know, the incredible um, doctors of, of osteopathy, homeopathy, naturopathy, you know, who really have spent much of their careers being uh, antagonized by um, the allopathic industrial medical system that is so much about uh, profit, um, you know, when their approach is so much more holistic. It's like, it's more, it's really just one of forbearance, you know, it's where it's like, we see uh, a mode, you know, like giving germ theory credence for a minute that we see a, we see a, a pathogenic a virus that uh, has high infection rates, low mortality rates, you know, and has different symptomology. You know, there are definitely, I know people um, who were young and healthy who have what they call post-COVID syndrome, you know, where they have recovered from the virus, but year, months later, they still can't catch their breath. You know, they still have some brain fog, et cetera. It's a lot like Lyme, like the Borrelial okay, actually, parasites. Let me put it very simply, because that's another argument in your direction, in a sense. My issue here being that all the real issues, you know, have to be addressed, of course. But it's always uh, muddying the waters if everyone is attributed to one singular cause that's kind of composed and ignoring all other potential factors that may actually contribute. You see what I'm saying? If I'm interested yeah. in the health, yeah. I can reduce like, well, it to something like that. It's like Lyme disease or something, like where it's like people, you know, doc they'll go to doctors and they'll be like, 
no, no, this is just in your head. And they're like, no, dude, I feel really sick. Like, some stuff is going on. Really that nice. shit. Yeah. And I heard it was weaponized. I mean, I don't know. This is That's another cool. one. Another yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, Montauk facility, and then East East Lime, Connecticut, and you know, like an uh, accidental slash not accidental release of you and know these weaponized ticks in the eighties. It's oh, it's been a, it's been a rising, rising tide since the early nineties. Basically, my whole lifespan since the early nineties. Um, and uh, anyhow, yeah, the um, the cynic non for me is is really just like. Um, your thumb may have slipped, Sam. Unless so, so I'm, oh, I'm, good. I'm good. Uh, okay, cool. So, like, taking the crisis that is at hand, whatever, and I agree with you, Rafa, you know, instead of whatever, like, over-attributing it and, and feeding into the, um, the frenzy and the, the media hype that surrounds this stuff, um, and, and then recognizing, like, the scope and scale of mass trauma that has come in generations prior to ours and see it's like it's like their grip is slipping it's like you know they they want to keep us in chains but like i'm covered in jelly like i'm i'm slippery i'm too slippery to get to be to get caught in these chains like even if i do study all of this stuff and like whatever you know give credence or, or or at least entertain the the possibility that this this is a virus that is being transmitted and honestly something that i experienced uh, not so long ago personally um and then got over with fasting on coconut water drinking turmeric and ginger taking echinacea and fat and and being better in five days uh back in late november um with the 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 the, the typical symptomology of uh, loss of smell and taste, etc., uh, and and then like flu-like symptoms, uh, you know, uh, it's like back back just a couple generations ago, they were sending all of us young men off to freaking die in trenches, fighting other young men who were just as scared, and and you know, it's like it's like they want they want to keep people scared, they want to keep people stressed, but the but I think just the nature of the age is that we're turning away from that. You know, and so if we can use this like a skeleton key, just like so many of the other telltale events for me, like my awakening hinged on being a New Yorker, a New York child during 9-11, 2001. You know, I was like, this is a fake story. They're lying to us. What the fuck is up with the world? Well, and so, like, that's so, a good example because something yeah. occurred, but it isn't exactly clear as to what. Kind of like COVID. Something's happening, but it's not exactly clear as to what. Or, you know, it, it seems um, tricky times but i mean that's the end of a pisces age right where it's like a lot of delusion illusion uh self-deceit etc and and that's where our one water planet you know uh, makes makes his presence known <laughs> like this is sure this is this last year was a plutonian you know saturnian plutonian kind of energy with that stress uh, retrograde and aries in the fall um but really we are all together in an age of pisces like we are in a Neptunian, you know, what is real? What is dreams? What is truth? Like, is the earth round? Is it flat? Like, you know, is it both? Um, you know, this thing where the, the, the illusions and the realities kind of blend together. And we're in that for most of this decade. I think it leaves finally in 2025, 2026. It's funny oh. because yeah, uh, the North Node and the South Node are uh, squaring Neptune. Right. So this whole year, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not easy. Like everyone is like, you know, there's a lot of people who are into QAnon who are like, what the fuck did I just believe? And there's a lot of people who don't believe in COVID getting it. Or, you know, it's that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a tricky time. Uh, Rafael, what do you want to say? 
Well, I like your perspective, Sam. If we can trust history at least that far, that yeah, this time at least, I mean, at least where we live, they're not throwing bombs. I mean, any bomb and anything like that to me is catastrophic enough. There is this idea, of course, of constant re-traumatization, both explicitly and also collectively, you know, thinking about Cold War or, you know, I can't even imagine that because at least for the first few years, there was no, let's say, active threat scenario. It was still the remainder of some kind of wealth building that started, I guess, after the Second World War or something like that, although it started to decline already. But yeah, again, I just want to point out, um, thinking about another idea in terms of the, you say, post, everyone says they have these post-COVID symptoms, this and that. And I'm not having the exact story on file now, but I also heard already something in terms of ascension symptoms or something strange and also a loss of taste. So uh, not just want to put it on that, you know, there's issues, you know, from 5G to who knows what the sun is doing, who knows our, how our genetic structure is shifting, all kinds of factors we may be unaware of and not pay attention to. So again, I just would caution everybody to do singular attributions and really look around. Another great example is ADAPT 2030. They speak about the changes again with the sun and what those changes would most likely bring, potential changes in weather patterns and temperature and so on. And they can perfectly explain it through the sun. However, at the same time, they're pointing out to be wary because governments could misattribute all of those factors to all kinds of things. And again, and that's my real issue with it, blame the population overall. You're bad. You transmit this, you were coughing, you were in the club or something, even though by now it's all proven not to help anyways, even if everyone stays at home, wonder why that is, hint, hint. And so simply put, I just want to reiterate that it's really about being careful and having a holistic view and not allowing the first best explanation, not only to give you your worldview, but also in problem reaction solution, David Eichstahl have to bring it up again, basically funnel you down a certain path, just like sheeps are herded. And I mean, it's nothing new anymore that unfortunately too many that have too much say don't always have our best interests at heart. So that's just what I want to caution again, not even telling anyone to believe in germ theory or not or whatever, but really look at all the sides and all the cofactors. Because even here, what I'm surprised about, even understanding basic virology and kind of, let's say, assuming it and believing in it, it's so many things still don't hold up. And so for me, my big, let's say, don't even want to say hope, but observation is I see the potential because of last year, I'd be curious to what you say, Sam. And I was surprised that we got such a jackpot in a sense, all in one year. So I see the possibility for greater sovereignty in health issues because of the sea crisis, greater sovereignty in, uh, let's say, self-organization because of the general, let's say, political crisis worldwide. And of course, same thing going for economy because Klaus Palpatine Schwab wants the Great Reset where you don't own anything anymore. And uh, I'm pretty sure we can come up with something more imaginative that will truly be advantageous and life-supporting to each and everyone. And that's where this epic thing that's going on on the internet, you know, as, as soon as we sort of cleared the cultural headspace, with, with T being disempowered, you know, because, again, not that he, he's so much, like, not what people hate him, 
think he is, and he's so totally not what the people who loved him thought he was. Um, but it's like what he certainly was in a very obvious and demonstrable way was he was the largest celebrity on the planet for most of the last four years. And, and like, as soon as that's cleared out of the way, that very Capricornic, you know, CEO, gold everything, top floor of the pen, you know, penthouse, big, big things, Capricorn this, you know, like Pisces, King, Royal King that, you know, and then suddenly there's this window, literally this window of time, like this, this whole, um, Wall Street bets saga really opened on like, what, the 20th? 21st, 22nd of February. It's like as soon as Aquarius started, like with the power of the minnows organizing to take down the shark. Yeah, yeah. Well, first with GameStop, but just Wall Street Bets saga altogether. And then, and then the app, the crazy bull market and cryptocurrency. Um, you know, and, and, and now we see like what, because Aquarius is not just the technologist, the, the hermit, the lone scientist. Aquarius is also the age of groups. It's groups, yeah, teamwork for sure. Uh, and it's funny because, uh, like you were saying, not only did that occur during you know the Sun transiting into Aquarius, but Jupiter and Saturn entering uh, Aquarius um, together not too recent, uh, you know, recently enough. Um, it's like a uh, it's a it's a wrecking ball, and it, uh, it's in a sense it's a it's a body check for the Empire card because on the one hand the shadow of the Empire is like you know, Senator Palpatine or something striving to be this crazy space emperor to take over. And I don't know if you're into Star Wars, but like pretty dark shit, pretty dark crystal, pretty, you know, Illuminati vibes or whatever you want to call it. And then um, I guess one of the attributes of this card, was saying, knowing the concrete world around you and, um, you know, having, uh, you know, uh, gaining more perspective. And I think that because, how would I put this? In order to even transition into a more well-rounded and balanced epoch uh unless it was to be kind of like a black panther's revolution or whatever because that was kind of like you know meet the new boss same as the old boss live by the sword die by the sword kind of vibes it seems we have to get this eagle eye perspective of aquarius where we kind of see the absurdity the connections um the potential uh you know nothing is without risk but like not being fearful uh, nothing is without danger but not being um you know crippled by fear like that uh it, it seems like that's very much the kind of uh moment we're finding ourselves in it's weird because you see all these kind of um iconoclasts of economy and and politic and stuff trying to tell people what to think it reminds me i don't remember it was a soviet country or something um not soviet but like a uh, you know um communist country i forget which one now off the top of my head but at one point basically the dude came out and it was like 19 you know 87 or 89 or something like that um or the 80s at some point. Anyway, he comes out and he's got this iron grip on the people and then they start booing him and then in that group, like they all start booing him and he stops to giving a speech and he could just tell the gigs up. I think that's kind of how it feels. That was Romania. Yeah, there that was uh, Cezescu. Yeah, whose name means Caesar. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Very resonant yeah, there. Yeah, former, <laughs> former Soviet <laughs> tank general, you know, who then took over as a dictator of that country for 30 plus years and had a rough go. You know, through militism, fear, kind of dis, um, compartmentalization of information, the stuff that communism... I mean, it's funny, because on the one hand, um, 
the Great Reset tends to be more communist vibes. And Frank Zappa said, you know, communism will never fully work because people like having things. So, you know, but we're going to come into this kind of soft socialism, I think, where it's like, look, we can 3D print our shit. We don't need to go to Walmart necessarily. Yeah, and we yeah. Can, maybe um, we can meet people's needs for once, you know, and have some freaking health care for these North Americans. Oh, but even further than that, instead of being... Um, like what you're talking right, about, healthier life. You'll be in charge of that healthcare, yeah, because that's exactly, the only thing I don't yeah. get. You know, <laughs> and Sick everyone care. can do what no, they will. Real healthcare, but... how about that? Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, these treatments, they cost <laughs> untold amounts of money and, you know, survival rate is questionable. So there's much cheaper and natural alternatives. Apparently, we just need some better success rates. According to Sam, <laughs> it's like, oh, there's better ways to do this. Yeah, Let's go much. ahead and take a music break. Uh, and... <laughs> By the way, I freaking love that song. Who who picked that Vor slash Sango song, the Baile Step that we opened with? Raphael tends How to do you already know that's the Sango song? It's by Shango, yeah. Yeah, Sango and Vor, the, the kid from, uh, he's like 19 from, from Heo and just slaying it with Sango, dude. Oh, nice. I didn't know they collaborate, but yeah, it's recently released. Everyone check out Shango, S-A-N-G-O on SoundCloud. Well, this will be Jim. Well, it's funny. You're talking about teamwork. There's a collaboration. I mean, these things are happening, networking collaboration, you know, to the moon. We can do this through technology, through each other with open eyes, you know, seeing the world as it is, hopefully not getting hung up on the squares of uh, Neptune to the North node where we're like, you know, picking the wrong door continually somehow. But uh, yeah, it seems like, um, you know, there's bad resets and good resets and I'd rather have a, uh, jubilee than a uh you know orwellian kind of lockdown in any event uh this is a song by a band called jungle i thought it was kind of it's groovy and stuff um but it kind of resonated not only are you in a jungle but this also has lyrics that seem to be about potentially anthropomorphized uh lyrics of disingen you know people tossed the side historically or whatever back it's funny that song had a bunch of synchronistic resonances. I mean, everything from the kind of Orwellian siren of kind of a lockdown to uh, it seems, Sam, you've got you're lucky you've got what you want. You've got love, you've got tinctures, you've got beaches and mountains, uh, you've got new business ventures, you've got crypto. Um, so we can kind of talk about anything uh, you guys want, obviously. Yeah, well, we were on such a good track. You know, there's something that. Uh remind that i was reminded of um and basically you know what a lot of this stuff comes back to th this COVID has been such a skeleton key such a teacher to me um because just the way my mind works and also um circling back to that uh t-square you know between the gemini and sagittarius student teacher axis um pointing out and clarifying the illusions of the Neptunian era that we're in, um, you know, and and sort of measuring and uh, debating and through uh, uh, exegesis, you know, through study, deep readings of the text of culture and of life, you know, really being able to sift the the truth from the uh, the could be truth. You know the 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 hoped for truths, um, and so yeah, it's been a really cool time. And and my conclusion around a lot of these things is that fear is 
the pandemic. Fear is the virus. Fear is the most transmissible and most infectious and most damaging to the biome as well as to um, to the cultural, uh, you know, gestalt. And so there's a lot of ways to catch it. You know, you can catch it by believing heavily in the Faucian uh, lockdown uh, program. And you can also catch it by being so doggedly suspicious and stressed about that, you know, the space Jews with Luciferians are coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you catch it on the other side. And I've watched a lot of my, uh, my good friends um, who are in the festival, spiritual, yoga, ayahuasca communities that I've stayed connected with throughout my, my travels, you know, fall into that trap on the other side. And they, they are just as afraid, if not more, <laughs> than the people who are like, mask up, get a vax, blah, 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 you know. It's but like, so, here, one thing yeah. I don't get, so I completely agree with you, of course, fear is the mind killer, both the Bible and Dune know about this. The one thing which I'm kind of, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but somewhat wondering about is especially if I consider either I'm very well researched and it could be through psychology or if I'm spiritual, then it is just through higher self connection, whether it's, you know, Fauci or Klaus Schwab or whatever, why would I ever be afraid of anyone if I know I create my own reality and the only leverage any of the fear based scenarios ever would have is if I actually am paralyzed in fear. So I, I really don't know uh, <laughs> what the issue here well, that's, is. That's the funny thing. I appreciate what Sam was saying because it, it manifests. I mean, the emperor wears a many colored robe, it seems, um, because fear can manifest as simply as like survivalism, where it's like, oh shit, here comes, you know, Spaniards and we're Mayans, apocalypto style. You know, are they, are they Quetzalcoatl? Oh my God, we're afraid of this alien culture. It can come in the form of the Dutch um, in New York Island or, you know, Manhattan Island, like you were talking about. Um, being afraid that they weren't getting the fullest gains they could, right? And, and a self-interested fear. Um, there's a kind of, you know, there's all sorts of types of fear. There's there's a fear. You see what I'm saying? It, it seems like not even just one-dimensional at that level. Um, I think even in Apocalypto, the, one of the lines, I'm not going to quote it perfectly well, this is a Mel Gibson movie um, from back in the day, like, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, 10 years ago. But uh, it's like fear is like a disease in the sense like kind of what you're saying and it's like that's the thing that starts distorting things um that's when you start um if you're afraid you won't have enough that's when you stop helping your neighbor if you're afraid that uh right, right. you won't get love that's when you go to helen of troy and take sack the city because you want what you can't have you know it's like fear seems to be the oldest um and and whether that's a you know garden gar, garden separation from you know the psychological evolutional thing we've fallen into of separation and we're like oh i'm afraid because in a sense like i don't know i can't speak on behalf of animals but it do, one would think they have a primitive form of this but it's not deeply uh they're they're acting in a different kind of way so i mean um you could see even you know plants and vines like it's not that they fear how would i put this they would rather have sunlight than not so they'll grow towards the sunlight it's not so much fear but it seems right. like this mechanism kind of drives all of life in this dualistic plane and um if we can kind of laugh at it, that's when, you know, you're Obi-Wan getting stabbed with a lightsaber saying, I'm going to go be my higher self now. Thanks for the game, Darth, later or whatever. Uh, but that's easier said than done. Right, right. Well, I, 
it's it's um there are different and i wish we had a more descriptive language it's just like you know they say arabic has 97 words for love you know and and inuit has 90 has has 50 words for we snow. should totally start importing all of those you know it's yeah. much richer <laughs> yeah 30 so for here each. there are there there's a taxonomy and i think what the crucial thing that i'm referring to the, the type of fear um is the one that is transmissible and that's what makes um our species such an interesting one is because we're so social because we are mimetic creatures as well as genetic creatures we transmit information as well you know uh, cultural data as well as uh, biological data um that is the transmissible form and that is the one that is ultimately um has the potential to threaten the, the biological life support systems on this beautiful garden that we call home you know that is earth and it's like when we sort of uh do a parasite cleanse uh, of that you know far more so than any any um virus bacteria or whatever you know that's when we can start to sort of be uh t cells and you know um just be the adaptogens in the system be the the homeopathic doses of levity, joy, humor, you know, um, uh, reverence, uh, and all of these wonderful fruits of the spirit uh, capacities, stuff. yeah, <laughs> that that are also innate to our species and really are our, our gift and our birthright. Um, and we give that, you know, and just by me, my, me radiating that energy in the spaces that I go, it it affects the other people, it affects the plants, it affects the animals, you know, and it's this positive feedback loop. Um, and so that's the kind of cleansing, Rafa, that I'm really interested in. And maybe that's where we could take the discussion is like, um, where are you guys finding your remedies these days? Like, what is your medicine that, that, um, that is your fear, fear parasite detox? I mean, I'll be brief. Uh, it seems that I've been rekindling a lot. Um, how would I put it? Uh, because of where I'm at in the cold, I mean, I guess I could hang outside and, you know, be bundled up more, but it still doesn't feel like you're getting much sunshine covered in layers like that. Um, so I've been reading books, like I said, uh, fantasy books from childhood, kind of like Narnia and Lord, uh, Harry Potter. And I've just, re I mean, just all these animes, learning Japanese, doing weird shit. And it seems in a sense that curiosity is helping me because I'm like, when it when I get certain about something, that's when it kind of clamps down, and I get worried more. If I'm like, uh, and I do want to ask you a few questions about your um, worldview, um, Sam, in a minute, but I'll let Raphael answer this too. Um, yeah, when I'm just like, I don't know what the how who am I to know what's going on? I mean, even in a weird way of being like Gaia being in danger, it's like that's a presupposition that has a lot of evidence to support it, but that's also one to to think that like things don't work out. Though that could be a naive position to say like we don't, you know the water flows and nothing we can do affects it. It's tricky shit. Anyway, bottom line, it seems rekindling my spirit with a uh, story. It seems a uh, story with, uh, dare I say Western morals <laughs> or something like that imbued in it has been helpful very much. And kind of just, um, you know, realizing even though there might be morphogenetic fields and so much interconnectedness, interconnectedness quantumly and all this stuff. Um, I don't have that much, 
uh, I mean, Raphael might disagree because, or, you know, or anybody might disagree in terms of like, maybe the guy in the bullhorns um, in the Senate was me in a hyperdimensional, you know, all is one way, but I don't have much bearing on that situation. So I'm just not going to give my energy towards it. Simultaneously, as a Gemini, as you know, uh, Sam, uh, curiosity can be problematic because that's when we can start, you know, it's one thing to want to tell a ghost story. It's another thing to want to be Stephen King or something. So it seems like where we put our attention matters quite a bit so i don't know that's where i've been where it seems uh in a relationship even sobering up i don't smoke weed all the time i don't trip every week um i still value these things but i'm not just kind of uh ramping up the confusion needlessly um i think breakthroughs can happen but also kind of distortions can occur through psychedelics too so that's kind of what i've been up to Raphael. well medicine <clears throat> i would say first off is knowledge of self because again then upon presentation of any scenario, even if at face value deemed to be non-preferential, you can turn everything around within yourself. That is a, you know, continual process of self-exploration and unconditional love towards self. But that is the saving grace along with, of course, these are the true medicines. There is, you know, ancillary uh, humor, of course. Um, Aside from that, of course, the study continues, especially now, the anthropological study of how people react. It's incredibly fascinating, especially considering that all the hinges or however, you know, it's all coming off kind of or shifting. And I know as, you know, little as I prefer, for example, everyone hiding their face and so on, I'm very much aware that if anything, this is a particular time I signed up for to observe so from that point of view it is let's say enjoyable enough and aside from that practically because you know detoxing or sanity goes both ways you know both from above to below in terms of uh, being loving and from below to above in terms of treating yourself well so the most simple thing that would come to mind is you know drinking plenty of cacao that i'm of course importing from south america so yeah amongst other things it seems that the lessons are always paradoxically inverted to where you are. So like, so let's say you're a very humble person, then it's about learning to have a spine, have a voice, stand up, be noticed. What is your contribution? Right. And if you're a very arrogant person, it's like, chill out. You're one of them, many billion, <laughs> you know, you're an aspect of the Tao. Don't think so highly of yourself. And it seems that it's never one thing entirely, just like the Tarot, the 22 cards. This is a, you know, 22 zero episode. Um, that we're navigating this thing always kind of resetting in a weird way so if that makes any sense absolutely and it's also it's also throughout the chart you know um so what i hear from your story jim and also just so true to both of your natures guys you know um are you with, looking at our astro charts well a little bit, yeah. Guilty. Uh, I, He's I, have, I have Rafa's pretty well known, and Jim, I don't, I don't know that much. You're double gem, right? Uh, yeah. And, With Chiron and Gemini, son of a bitch. There you go. Yeah. So that North Node is really, yeah, take take you to the realm of curiosity, story. You know, also with that guiding light of morals and principles um, w embedded in the narrative. I think that. You know, I, this is I'm a bi I'm biased as a Gemini, but it's like narrative is perhaps the greatest form of medicine that we've been given, especially when we're talking about this mimetic kind of consciousness that um, we have as a species. Um, 
And then Rafa, you know, true to your Libra nature, it's like open the heart, balance it out, you know, laugh at the, the fear and, and um, where other people accept things unquestioning, you know, take, take, take that turn around, turn about and put, put the weight on the other scale, you know, so that Libra style that you bring. Um, and then I'll answer the question myself. Um, and I would say the, obviously for me, you know, the, as a, as a matriot, um, I, uh, um, you know, really always find myself taking refuge, um, in the acceptance, the patience, the wisdom, the beauty, um, of, um, the elements, you know, of, of the sky and the water and the plants and the soil, the sea, um, the sun, you know, and I'm in the right place for that, but that's really, th those are constants everywhere on this, this planet and perhaps throughout the universe, um, in, in their own unique way. Um, and, and then, um, in my life, you know, there's, uh, I'm just for the first time really kind of ever, I know I was in a relationship with a, a very interesting woman when I met you, Raphael. Um, and now I've, I've switched Leo's and now I'm in a, 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 an amazing partnership and I'm just like experiencing what it life feels like from being loved and like loving someone and that Tantra, you know, that like where there's just the polarity dynamic, just swirling like two magnetic fields, you know, where it's like, it's just activated. And I feel in this dynamic, like, you know, it's not like each of us has our own power doubled, it's more like it's a factor of a square, you know, where like my capacity, my enjoyment, my devotion, my willingness to sweep the floor and do the dishes and, you know, these minor things, um, you know, is like it, uh, algorithmically, you know, uh, algebraically increased rather than just a, a, a doubling, you know, so that's, that's been a really big one. And so love is the medicine in, in, in my summation i'm glad for you uh it's funny when you said we're not our power doubled um uh, my mayan and my fiance's mayan i'm a red rhythmic serpent i forget she's going to kill me what she is she's like a yellow cosmic star or something like that uh we're both our own power doubled so when you said that i was like oh i know this exactly because uh it's funny in a weird way i don't i mean i can't speak for you but it seems like uh that's a grace that's graced my life um love like you're saying in a very kind of exterior romantic way or partner in that sense, um, I don't know how I would be doing right now without that, quite frankly. Uh, it's very stabilizing and um, invigorating and, you know, all the things. So I'm stoked that you've uh, – I, I don't know who you were with when you met Raphael. I, I think, it, you know, every relationship kind of is important. So I don't think you need to look back in anger or anything. I don't think you are. Uh, no sour grapes, but it seems like uh, maybe the flavor isn't so uh, – maybe you're enjoying this cup a little differently maybe uh, while you drink from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and they meet, you know, our partners, our friends, they meet us where we're at. And so I've had really the privilege and the good fortune to, uh, keep landing on my feet, you know, again and again throughout my twenties and, and keep climbing, you know, it's like for all of my, um, air and fire that's, that dominates my chart with the, the Leo stellium, Aries rising, Libra moon, Gemini sun, um, you know, I do have this whole, like most of people my age, 
um, you know, an outer outer planet Capricorn, like super stellium, like five objects, not really planets, you know, in in Capricorn, the North Node, um, and uh, you're a North Node cap. Yeah, ninety one. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. North yeah. Node, so Capricorn, Neptune, probably Neptune and uh, Uranus, and uh, then a few of the asteroids as well. I mean, we're um, here to dream a new world. It seems. Yeah, and so so underneath all of that, it's like I have yeah I have this like real in its tenth house all for me. So it's like my work, build new Earth systems by whatever means necessary. You know, spark the fire, playfully dig the ditch. Yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah, make the meme. You know. To do the interview, it doesn't matter, like, just whatever it takes, like, climb the mountain, you know, and so I keep doing that, and, and, uh, you know, and I think my, the people that I connect with, um, reflect where I'm at in that process. That brings up a good point, um, it's 3.33 where I am, uh, Team Rabbit Hole is a meme page, that's how this podcast even started, ultimately, uh, in a way, you've got alchemy memes. Tell me a little about the thought behind it. I think it's got, whenever I see certain posts of yours, I've definitely jacked some of your memes for sure, by the way. Um, but yeah, more credit, the, please. Yeah, yeah. For some of the um, um, memes, I mean, I, this is why I don't have, I mean, I let a few people post, uh, like really there's only a few kind of uh, people, I guess, in administrative roles on that page, just because I'm like, I don't, like on the one hand, I'm very Gemini and I was like, whatever's clever, but then at the same time, I have a lot of fixed energy, so I'm like, I don't know if I resonate with that. So I'm curious uh, what your philosophy is with the memes. Um, it seems kind of sassy and uh, woke, but also kind of like, I don't even know how to explain it. So yeah, well, tell us a little about Alco memes, what you're up to there, and maybe the philosophy behind what you're up to. Thanks. Yeah, man. That that you know, out of nowhere, and I think it's always like I love how life works that way, where it's like this you nothing have, project, this complete, this, right? this complete shit posting venue for me, you know, has really blossomed, especially over the last like two to three months. It was it was gaining momentum since the summer, but it's really blossomed into like the one no holds barred forum for like my community, which is a pretty uh, diverse group of wonderful people, you know, with, with different worldviews. Um, and, and so, you know, what we're doing there is, um, is basically shit posting our way into the age of Aquarius. You get it. Like I was saying, you're dark, like you're a Gemini, so you have a dark Kermit. One of them is going to be this intellectual kind of blarred uh, academic type. It seems you know, Columbia graduate. I'm doing all this like really yeah, good I'm shit, gonna, and then you've got this other side, which is like, oh my god, like like this is shit. Like how do I even? I don't even know if I should laugh at some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like while we were on break on playing a song, I like posted a couple memes, and one of them is just like. You know, a, a a giant ugly toad with a, you know, a trippy picture of of pancakes in the background. It's like, sleep is just time travel to breakfast, my dudes. Exactly. I'm glad your uh, your humor, um, and it seems especially with the Capricorn North Node and all that energy from like you're saying the generational planets, uh, the outer planets, Neptune um, and Uranus. Uh, I mean, like, uh, trust me, like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I never thought about it in terms of um, success. I guess what I'm saying, whatever you're going to touch could be golden. Don't get cocky with that. But at the same time, it's like you're here to change the world, clearly. Yeah. And, and the great thing about it is really I, I don't 
take any credit for what goes on there. It's, um, it's a total community endeavor it is, um, you know, basically like the only page where I feel like people aren't hiding behind, you know, either some new age spiritual bypassing crap or, or some aggressive, like, you know, 4chan-esque, like, trolling crap, you know, where, again, that, that polarity play, where people are, uh, people are, like, edging, and you know, towards the woke or the anti-woke or whatever. It's like, here, it's just this, like, it's an alchemical cult. It's a, it's a hermetic garage, like, where, um, you know, one person, I loved, like, there's this guy that I've known for years who used to hang out in Union Square with a sign that says, I am Jesus, and he was, like, a total atheist and just a, a true, like, you know, troll, like, this guy Solomon, and he's been posting on there regularly this week. So, you know, my lovely friend, uh, potential future Team Rabbit Hole guest, you know, definite future uh, Gaia Goals in Action guest, um, Stacy Sood, who's, like, a product developer. You might need to get closer to Wi-Fi. Was that just me, Rafael, or no? No, no. It's a bit... Choppy. Choppy, yes. So, Sam, if you hear us, go close to the Wi-Fi, closer to the Wi-Fi, or maybe sign in and out or something. We just got to learn to tune our brains appropriately to also transmit on, like, 4G bands or something like that. I believe that's uh, what Richard Rudd thinks we're going to by 2027 or something. This 55 gene key. Uh, yeah, we'll all be on this wave of psychic um, enmeshment or something. <laughs> Woke as fuck. Pretty sure, sure we'll have superior bandwidth, though. So I just kicked Sam. I'm sure he'll be right back. So, and here he is. And back again, Sam. You were talking about your friend. I think, I think it works, yeah? Yeah, it works yeah, yeah, now. Fine. How is it? Good. Uh, you were talking about some chica. I didn't catch her name. Stacy, maybe? Oh, yeah. So anyhow, so she posts, this is just like a, a long-winded example of how, how you know, highbrow, lowbrow Alchememes is. It's basically, she posts this lovely quote. She's like pushing 40. She's not quite a millennial. And she posts this lovely thing from uh, from Be Here Now, you know, and, she, and I'm just like, great, this is the OG Alchememe, the whole Bindu to Ohas, you know. I have this history with Ramdas, like met him several times and, and uh, you know, uh, and then like, uh, you know, we have a back and forth about the wondrous capacity of how, how, how much foresight he had and how it is a total meme, that entire book. And then like Solomon, last comment, he's just say, rammed ass. <laughs> it just moves the D from one leg, leg to the other, you know, one rammed ass. And I'm just like, that's all memes, man. It feels like a school bus, uh, almost, where it's like, yeah, you've got like t 12th graders talking about maybe who to vote for, and then, you know, 5th graders saying, like, pull my finger. I'll bring this up again, Sam, I'm not sure if you know about this one, but you ever wondered about the name Manly P. Hall? I mean, it took me years to get around to that, but yeah, it's kind of strange. I'm I'm thinking pee hole, but you you elucidate yeah, that's for me, please. That's a simpler one, but it's it's close enough. So phallus, P H A L L. You'd only have to add the U S. And uh, yeah, whatever. I and here, honestly, like my brain stops working <laughs> in a sense because it's too strange of a name, at least for me. I don't know if, how many people are called Manly. Also in 1900, I really don't know. 
but then like in reverse i'm like okay was this made up in retrospect was this always just a pen name was he always like a freemason or something and just pulled like a big, big joke dude, or, 69 as a what is this <laughs> like it's really str- anyhow but still good books you know so whatever <laughs> oh my god yeah race car race car baby uh yeah man yeah uh yeah big dick the secret teachings of all ages well even with like howard stern um he is not stern oh well i guess it's tricky uh he's kind of a trickster and almost very uh frank zappa-esque in a weird way but i'm curious we've talked about this before uh sam what your theory maybe is on the resonance of names the power of the magic of the word of names do you think that matters how arbitrary do you think that stuff is given what we're talking about i mean do you, you know, go for it well well uh you know, as a um, child of the Ashkenazi lineage, um, you know, and when we're talking about the Tarot, we're talking about the Hebrew alphabet. Um, you know, there is, Gematria is as real as it gets, you know, not not the Zach Hubbard stuff where, again, it's like, are you, who are you, what wolf are you feeding? Are you feeding the wolf of fear, paranoia, you know, um, like disaffection, you know, or are you feeding the wolf of love, tenderness, trust? Uh, belief, possibility, you know, but gematria, the the ancient resonance, you know, the in the, the kabbalistic sense, um, which are so it really, honestly, so beautifully elucidated um, as the subtext of every single film that uh, Darren Aronofsky, the great uh, Brooklyn-born director, has ever made. Um, especially that was the Thai guy, right? One. Yeah, that's his first. That's his first feature um, from 1998, and it's just it's just I saw Stone. I don't really remember it. It's very weird. I mean, I saw Stone in high school, like in like 99 or you know 2001 or whatever. Um, it's a heady film. I, what else has he put out? Um, well, most recently, his film his his uh, most recent film is called Mother, with uh, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, and Jennifer Lawrence, um, and that is one of the most potent myths of the uh, engagement of the Sophianic, you know, Lilith principle by the the Arimanic, you know, whatever, Samael, Yael, Deboth character. The emperor um, card versus the non-emperor <laughs> card. Yeah, well, on top of the world, it's it's you know it's just the Einsof, you know, encaging Malkut, whatever you know, um, and you know the world, the gem, the pearl, you know, in in the clutches and uh, the talons of the the eagle, um, and uh, so that's his most recent film from 2017. Prior to that, he released an incredible movie um, with Russell Crowe called Noah and also Anthony Hopkins as freaking, uh, what's that his name? That was a psychedelic version. Um, yeah. Anthony as... Hopkins, I, f- I forget who was, was he God? <laughs> no, no, he's uh, he's Noah's father. What's, what's he has such an... Uh, Enoch. Methuselah, Methuselah. Oh, Methuselah, Methuselah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that is an epic epic take and it i love how it got panned because it was like infinitely too gnostic for the christians and infinitely too christian for the atheists (laughs) like you know it's like so so only if you're if you're someone who is like spiritual but not religious would you get that film you know um epic really amazing take and then it just goes on the fountain you know with uh and rachel weiss surreal yeah, yeah, the, the story of eternal love and eternal life um, and surrender to death as the ultimate act of love. Um, 
so yeah, all of that stuff. This is a funny way to take the uh, the name question, but it's just like you you know, there, there it's helpful, especially as a Western person, to have a non um, obfuscated entry point into this study because a lot of these texts, as you were just saying, Raphael, like are duplicitous sometimes, you know, and, and purposefully obscure. Um, and so like having one that is, um, you know, emotionally gripping and accessible, um, and then has the, the, uh, gnosis hidden in the subtext, you know, it really helps to start to get to the meat of what we were talking about when we talk about Kabbalah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the name, the resonance of names, you know, I, I've gone on a journey with my own name because I have like a, ten, a limited and tangential connection to my father's family and yet I bear their name, but it's like, um, you know, I, I had to understand what it meant to really become that person, you know, and that goes also for my first name, Samuel. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot everybody. of iterations of your first name. Let me. What's the logic behind that? What are you? What's your incarnation now? Presently, Samu, I think. Or what, what yeah, Samu, well, Samu is for, is short for Samuel in in Latin countries and Spanish speaking countries. So that was a name I. That was like a, a highly practical short name that I took on when I ran Ambrosia Elixir Bar with the, the lovely Valeria de la Pava from Colombia, and there was Sam. There was Sammy, my gay best friend, you know, amazing human being, epic architect, wonderful man. Um, and there was Sammy and I was Samu. So it's like, you know, it was this distinction between the two of us. Uh, Sammy Sutcliffe, the, the uh, amazing Sagittarian architect. Uh, and, uh, and so that kind of stuck when I came to live in Costa Rica. Uh, and, and with that said, you know, it's like the to be, uh, you know, Shmuel, Samuel, to be in one of the Elohim, which, which Raphael you can relate to, and please uh, speak on your, your resonance uh, with this next. Um, you know, it, it comes from a story um, from the Bible where Samuel the prophet was born from a prayer by his mother to Hashem, you know, and, and she, she begged and prayed for a, a good son, and when a year later, she received him. Um, her, he named she named him God is listening because her prayers were answered. That's what's up, Raphael. Any thoughts on your own uh, nomenclature? Well, some people like their own names, some don't. I can literally recommend everyone to both uh, simply check their own numbers according to Gematria, and there's many different great systems for synchronicities and also the etymology of their name of course Raphael in at least one you know popular understanding I believe in the official canon books only appears one time and is doing things like healing eyesight and all kinds of nice stories but fundamentally the meaning of the name of course is beautiful because it simply means God's healer or God's medicine and yeah I couldn't have chosen a better name, but then, of course, again, in my worldview, I have literally chosen my own name, so it's all good. It's funny how the uh, the the cosmic joke, or however we put it, um, is looked at. It's funny, especially reading these Narnia books. Um, I'm still a Christian at a fundamental level, though I definitely don't 
proselytize or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, but all the kind of allegorical resonances in that book and uh, Lord of the Rings and things like that um, coming from these kind of Christian thinkers, it has made me wonder, uh, like, I'm, you know, I'm having trouble even like getting through these books without crying. Um, same thing with Harry Potter um, and all these stories uh, where I'm just, it's funny because I think uh, about in 2017, I made a very conscious decision um, before I lived in Switzerland for a year. I was like, all right, because the whole point of going to Switzerland was to basically a Christian think tank kind of place. And I was like, I know I'm a black sheep and I'm into Kabbalah, uh, not Kabbalah, but I mean, it's cool, but like Tarot and astrology and psychedelics. And a lot of these Christians aren't hip on that. And they need to know that like magic is real. And it's way, you know, the world's way more, you know, Willy Wonka than they want to think. It's not, you know, you know, Martin Luther whip yourself and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, a lot of pagans tend to not see beyond the cultural baggage of some of these myths and uh, archetypes. So, you know, like if you meant, you know, if I'm like, oh, Jesus is the philosopher's stone, like that'll, you know, not sit very well with a, you know, a, a thelemite or something like that or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, it seems like kind of coming back around where, like, I'm not going to, I never lost my faith, but it seemed I went into some very thick woods of uh, occult esotericism and i think there's value in these places but it's funny whether it's on dmt talking to egyptian deities about my faith or um astral projection i, I met what i thought was jesus back in high school these psychics, Jim, Jim, not huh? to no. shortcut you too much but i'm pretty sure that even in your own understanding the variant of christianity you would practice now or even you believe in god or jesus i'm pretty sure it's structured quite differently than what you may have been taught 20 30 years ago initially no i mean i don't want to sound like an asshole but i think i got the point of it i mean i it's a weird way there's it's it's like this is sagittarius is in south node right now um there's a difference between you know in the in the new testament it's talking about you know religious teachers right sad south node sagittarius and then like you know more john the baptist or jesus or whatever prophets they're like, look, I see the point of the spirit of what you're talking about, but I'm not getting caught up in the culture and the baggage of dogma and ego identity in a weird way. So, my, I mean, when I hear about Hopi prophecies or, you know, Ragnarok or what, you know, all these things, uh, rainbow bodies of the Buddhist, I'm like, okay, is this is some New Jerusalem shit. Like, it seems like we're popping into Isaiah prophecies. That's Old Testament. But it's like, okay, I mean, uh, the idea in Isaiah is like every tribe will be valued for what it is without having to compete. And, you know, so, you know, if you're into wearing leopard prints and you're from, you know, the deep jungles of Africa, dope. If you're a Celt and you're drinking, you know, mead or whatever, cool. Like, it's going to take all types to realize the value of the inherent zoological complexity in a weird way of the cultures and peoples that we are. Um, and even in the Starcy kind of mythos that you're, I mean, I'm not against, but like, obviously, Raphael, you're more into like, you know, that element. Um you know, we're not just one thing. Whatever humans are, it seems to be a conglomeration of many things going on at once, ultimately reflecting the curiosity and um, vision of the the one mind or whatever. But this gets really tricky to, in terms of like who's experienced what. People are on different trips, you know, in their own journeys. So to try to, you know, the things Yoda tries to tell Luke in um, – the Empire Strikes Back like doesn't resonate, but by the time you get to the end of the whole series, like Luke basically is Yoda 2.0 or whatever. You know, so it's like everyone will get there, I think, and we've all kind of prescribed parts to challenge ourselves to get further up into the dream. But anyway, um, I mean, just briefly about my etymology. James is my legal name, which is Jacob, which is you know the liar or whatever. Um, 
ironically kind of a trickster element in uh hebrew kind of stuff um so yeah i don't know sometimes i'm like very literalist like terence mckenna had a view that like language was reality like when we're looking at dna it's atgc when we're looking at you know physics it's like expressed through math which is a language like math maybe being like pi like that movie pi is like math is maybe the ultimate language um so it seems those matter but then it also seems that we start attaching i mean it's tricky the dao that can be named is not the dao right so it's like the name isn't sufficient past a point in, in, in a paradoxical way agreed <laughs> sam keep at it yeah james jim <laughs> brother jim i like that title for you man um that was um, easy i was like y'all i'm not better than y'all i'm a fucking ki-. i mean i because i think some of the problem is pretense right sometimes people think if you're spitting out knowledge that you know best i'm like i don't know shit but i'll talk to you about it and i'm wondering who was arguing this but somebody said that even in regards to catholic orders and monastic orders and so on you know there's, there's all kinds all kinds of sects like in all religions but that supposedly those who are let's say the most benevolent are actually those that always only call themselves brother and not father that's just interesting perspective i think they don't take on that like uh ego of the emperor card where it's like i'm the leader (laughs) because it does take leaders but there's a difference between somebody i mean it's tricky i think the adage is something like whoever's like raises the hand to be leader at first probably shouldn't be the one to do it (laughs) kind of thing so yeah there's there's an issue with the reward mechanism how do you mean in well because as i was describing earlier we're such a social species and so there is you know that uh opportunity that arises for elevation in social circumstances but the people who wish who rush to claim it as you were just saying are often the least qualified you know and so sociopathy becomes an inbred trait because there's a uh reward mechanism that that is you know, it like treachery, deceit, you know, greed. Um, they, the whole they come with rewards, model, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that that uh, you know make them um, make these things that really uh, run contra to the 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 higher impulses. You know, the ascension symptoms um, that are that we're capable of that we all possess, um, and you know. And so it's like that bottom of the barrel kind of energy. And that's why our leaders are such shitheads, you know, um, like nine times out of 10. And with that said, you know, I take that whole story to be like super, that's a Pisces story. It, it goes back to the age of Aries, of course, you know, the impulse, the, the forging ahead, Moses parting the Red Sea, et cetera, you know. Um, but, then, but then Pisces, it's the school of fishes you know and it's the the out of many one e pluribus unum you know the um this this like uh god guru you know it's the other resonance the other ruler of pisces is of course jupiter you know and jupiter is the guru of the planets the great teacher the expansive expander encompasser um you know the big table and it's like in, in those situations, the loudest voice in the room uh, too often predominates, you know, and then it also has as its inverse this subservient um, feminine in the, the Virgo perfectionism, 
you know, where it's like women are better and children are, are better heard and not, or seen and not heard, as they said. Um, and so we're moving out of that resonance altogether. And it's, I'm glad we can wrap around to something like this um, because this is really appropriate for here we come to the new moon, Aquarius. Um, it's like we call what we're entering this next 2000 year period, the Aquarius. However, that's where the vernal equinox will be happening. In another sense, we're coming to the age of Taurus, summer solstice, the age of Scorpio, winter solstice, and then crucially on the autumnal equinox, an age of Leo. You know, so out of that, it's like we have the group. No one's better than the other. My One of the greatest teachers in my life, the maestro um, Manuel Rufino of the... Um, the Universal Initiata College and uh, the very powerful uh, Rosicrucian lineage that in the early 1900s merged with the, uh, the four directional altar keepers of Mexico and North America. Um, and he says, you know, um, that this age of Aquarius is the age of groups, you know, where there is no shaman, there is no leader. That's when the communication with the shaman cut off. Sam? <laughs> uh, am I back? Yeah, yes, there's no shaman, back. you were saying. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, so there is no shaman. There is no, um, there is no guru. There is no higher person. It's like we, each of us and all of us have the, um, the gift you know, of our own thing. For me, maybe it's like I'll show you guys how to make the, the bomb kimchi. You know, and for Raphael, it's like how to cultivate that the thousand year plant on your, on your, uh, like, you know, bedroom window and, and totally for going you, for Jim, the kimchi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we all have many gifts, you know, and basically there is like, there is no need for a, a shaman in a ceremony at this point when you're amongst people who have stepped into this new octave and what that, what makes that possible. And this is where I'll, I'll leave it is that we are not just, school you know is, uh, minnows in a school of fish anymore like we are sovereign beings and it's it's that leo resonance you know this this opposite of aquarius where we are i don't need a king because i am the king of my life i don't need a president i don't need an idol i don't need fucking trump and i don't need fucking biden and i don't need bernie either you know you know the emperor has no clothes you are the emperor yeah yeah I'm, I'm the leader of my life and I am the one who will, you know, determine the outcome of what I do here in this precious time on earth. And that's like that Leo, like take no prisoners, give no fucks kind of attitude that just turns me on all the time. That's Everybody what inaugurate themselves as president of their own reality. Well, it seems what 2020 was like the year of judgment and now we're popping into the world card like 21st card is uh the world so it's like you are the world you you don't have to look i mean you can play with the games and externalize and and get in the maya as much as you want but ultimately you know you're coming back to yourself in this weird abstract way and it's beautiful because i think in some way we this gets tricky because of causal necessity we've talked about this before with you know like um did america have to get taken over was this karma for the natives from another lifetime who knows right but it seems like we have we've had to go through the process um of finding ecstatics and poets that were fringe like freaks 
and now everyone realizes how freaky they are actually and with uh with um Chiron and Aries right now the wound of the self is being addressed so now instead of trying to like you're saying instead of just trying to follow um Nietzschean kind of power plays we're starting to laugh at that and see just how much of a sham it is I mean at some point Voldemort is very scary to a lot of people and then at some point he's not because he really, I mean, even just little things like his wand won't work against Harry. So it's like, oh shit, now he's scared. So it's like, I, I think even with the Reddit, um, with Bitcoin, with all these kinds of things, it's, it's showing there's a power in the collective that's being able to kind of pry the armor plating of the emperor and the empire in such a way that ultimately, hopefully we do it in a playful way, North Node and Gemini, and hopefully we're not in a, uh, dogmatic kind of like fuck you we're gonna gouge your eyes out you know like we don't want to become what we once were fighting against in that sense um but yeah it seems like the um the tables are turning as they say so and as long as we keep ourselves like in that um that space of transmutation where it's like the base elements come up like we you know it, it, they hopefully we're living a lifestyle where it, that's dynamic enough, homeodynamic enough, where like we have triggers, we have moments where we feel, you know, these lower impulses arise in us, and then we we work with them. You know, that's that's for me. That's that's inner alchemy. That's what that's the alchemies. That's that's you know what we're doing here with the with permaculture too. It's like we take the elements that are present and we and we transmute them. You know, and it's like the more stuff that comes up, the worse, the worse it looks, the better it is because that's more fuel for the fire. More opportunity for growth. Well, uh, the thing that comes to mind, and we can wrap it up, um, is in Neverending Story, the the king of the world, if you want to put it that way, of that whole mythos, is the childlike empress. So it seems like we're kind of going to that North Node Gemini childlike, um, you know, with a lot of hopefully um, compassionate feminine energy that can kind of you know the last shall be first the first shall be last kind of energy where it's like yo we don't need people who are running to the top of the line i remember seeing this one video clip of trump <laughs> i mean i've never loved trump uh I don't, I don't think he's the antichrist necessarily but it's like um there was some like g7 summit or something and he was literally like shoving people to get into the picture and it's just like that's not gonna work anymore like it's just not gonna work yeah make space for the children you know let the, let the real human beings lead you know um, so yeah, you know, the compassion and feminine energy just, uh, walked up to where I'm sitting and, uh, I think it's time that we go That's watch the, the sunset at the beach. Word. Well, I'm glad you guys are having fun. Uh, Sam, thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. We'll have to get you on here with, uh, maybe some of your friends. Um, I'll hit you up in messenger and try to get some, you know, future guests and we can all kind of mingle. Some South um, Americans resident. Central Absolutely. America, technically, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, just on the we're at the the crossroads. They say uh, here in um, at the foot of the Diamante and Valley and the the Dominical River. We sit. They say that um, the Diamante Valley is where the eagle and the condor meet, where South America and North America merge. Cool. Both also very kind of empire. I mean, the condor is a big deal in South America. Eagle is a very empire symbol. Empire card all day long. I'm glad we kind of did this the way it went. So thanks for giving us your time and energy. Any uh, parting thoughts? Uh, just, you know, um, dude, 
Dogecoin to the moon. No, <laughs> no. Buy and hold Ethereum um, and uh, join Alchememes. It's a private group. Um, and also, uh, one thing that's really been fun uh, is tune in on Wednesdays, uh, usually at 1 p.m. Central, so 2 p.m. Eastern, whatever. Um, we've been doing this interview series with, uh, with like activists, artivists, uh, permaculturists, uh, you know, technologists called uh, the Gaia Goals in Action. It's been a lot of fun. Um, that's, a, that's a new series. And just so much love for both of you guys. It's great to talk to you. And I think this is one of the best chats yet. So, you know, happy Aquarius season. No wonder. Cheers to that. Have fun with the sunset. And yeah, come back soon. Love you, Rafa. Love you, Jim. Peace. Thank you, Sam. We'll link you up. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Catch you all in the now. Enjoy yourselves.